Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Lord, we thank you again for your presence this morning. Lord, we know that you indeed want to speak to us every opportunity that you have to do so. Lord, may we have hearts that want to listen and hear you now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the teaching that comes from it. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Spirit in every believer that gives us enlightenment, encouragement, and helps us day after day to be able to communicate your truth and recognize your greatness. We give you thanks and praise in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My lovely bride and I spent time three weeks ago in Columbus at Resonate 2023, a conference for licensed workers pursuing ordination or consecration with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It was my first national conference with the Alliance. It was delightful. Had a great time. Lynn and I met a number of wonderful people from different parts of the country with the same goals and aspirations to serve and perform kingdom work in our various churches and stations to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. We arrived at the Nationwide Hotel and Conference Center in Lewis Center, Ohio, on Monday afternoon and had a wonderful dinner with other early arrivers. We then went to a worship service with music, a message, and praise time to kick off the conference before retiring to our rooms. Well, in keeping with what the Alliance does, there's a schedule for everything, including our meals. Our praise and worship time was on the schedule as well. Tuesday morning, we had breakfast, and then we had a delicious breakfast, by the way. I'm talking about bacon and eggs. I'm talking about the whole nine yards. None of this continental stuff. We were having, we had, and all these meals were paid for, by the way. What a blessing. We had breakfast, and then we went across the plaza to the meeting room for praise, music, and worship. After dinner, more praise, music, and worship. Wednesday morning after breakfast, another session of praise, music, and worship. After dinner, more praise and worship time. Thursday morning, praise and worship before the conclusion and benediction at noon. You get the idea. An event that centers around the very purpose of our gathering and learning more about our calling from God, shouldn't the focus of our attention be on the worship and praise of the one who's going to enable us to be successful in glorifying his name? We should be spending time giving praise and worship to the one who is over all things. And we work through him in all things. There is a practical reasoning behind what our praise team puts together for us prior to our own Sunday morning service. And what a coincidence. They just happen to join us in the same room here as I talk about them. They rehearse every week to ensure that we receive the best experience in preparation for our Sunday worship time. Our praise and worship sessions for Jesus are a mere glimpse of what it will be like when we see Jesus in person in heaven. Our days will be without end and they will be filled with the worship And praise of Jesus. He is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Psalm 150. Let's take a look at Psalm 150 together. Psalm 150 is six verses. But they are wonderful, powerful verses. And if you can think of a better way to end the book of Psalms, you look at Psalm 150. Psalm 150 verses 1 through 6. And I'll read that for you. Allow you to get there. Psalm 150, verse 1. This is from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Hallelujah! Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Verse 3, praise him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise him with harp and lyre. 
Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flutes and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what it's all about, everybody. I don't think we can say these words enough. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy because of who he is. The uncreated creator of all that exists. He is worthy because of how he has shown his love for us. He loves us. For those who ask the question, and you're certainly permitted to ask the question, as to why Jesus is worthy of our praise, we can take this entire message to answer the question, but I would simply submit to you that you can answer this question as you ponder another question. Here it is. Where would you be without Jesus in your life? Where would you be without Jesus in your life? That's a question for each one of us to consider. We can answer it truthfully in a number of ways. But let's focus on the importance of God's people getting together beyond a traditional church gathering and explore the importance of taking your understanding of faith in Jesus and coupling it with what is required in our service for him. Because there are things we need to do as we recognize who Jesus is. When you know who Jesus is and you know what your purpose is, he will show you how you can serve him. The Spirit will be your guide. Just listen to him. Listen to the Spirit. Turn to John 14. Let's look at verse 26. It might be a familiar passage for many of us. John 14, verse 26. And this will be the English Standard Version. And I don't want to rush anybody along, but I'll... John, the book of John should be somewhat familiar for some of us who are page turners in the Bible. John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that being Jesus... He will teach you all things. Listen, look carefully. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He's going to teach you. And he's going to help you remember what you've already learned. One of the things that was most interesting to me about our gathering in Columbus is that, and I can reference this only because it's been mentioned several times, 80% of our 2,000 churches in the United States have 100 or fewer members. 80% of Alliance churches, 100 or fewer than that. One of those churches is in York, South Carolina. York, South Carolina, just for the point of reference, it's kind of near Charlotte, North Carolina. In a a small city just to the southwest of it. Bible Covenant Community Church, according to their About Us page, has the following dialogue. They just put it in writing for everybody to see. Quote, as you spend time with us here on our website, getting to know us, looking into what we have to offer you, you will most likely conclude that we are a small church. There is no need to try to hide that fact. Where we gather is a small brick church building on Lincoln Road. And we are currently a small congregation of less than 25 on regular Sundays. But we have a big heart for the Lord. A big desire to know Him and make Him known. A big faith in a big God who can do big things in us and through us. Now, end quote. That's on their website. 
They are acknowledging that they gather together and there are fewer than 25 people every Sunday. Our brains go immediately to the place where we ask the question, how are these people still open for church? How are they operating? The answer to these questions was already given to you. We have a big heart for the Lord. We have a big desire to know Him and make Him known. We have a big faith in a big God who can do big things in us and through us. That's the answer. That's why they're still open. That's why they're still operating. I'm pretty sure they're between pastors right now. But you know what? They're still there to do what? Do big things through Jesus. Since when does God care about how many people are coming together and serving him? Since when? We need to understand a basic premise as to the capability and authority of every single believer under God who moves and prays in unison with members of our church congregation. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. I want you to see something here that's very important. And I want you to understand that it's not the larger number that Jesus is concerned about. He's concerned about you. Let's start there. But he's concerned about following a certain order as we go through life. And this is going to be part of what's being discussed here. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. We're going to read, start at verse 15 and go through to verse 20. And I want you to see something here that's very important. Verse 15, Matthew 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. That's a one-on-one thing. You know what a lot of us have trouble with sometimes? One-on-one stuff. Having communication, brother to brother, sister to sister. It's a one-on-one thing. So keep that in mind. Verse 16, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 19, very important. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers... I am there among them. Jesus himself is telling us here and is reminding us that two or three believers have authority and responsibility in his kingdom. Two or three. You have authority. You have responsibility. You have an order that you're trying to follow. We have trouble with this one-on-one stuff. I don't know if I can talk to so-and-so about something. You have authority to go and talk to that person about what they're doing. No, I'm just going to let it go. Maybe somebody else will say something to them. Well, you just abdicated your responsibility. And there's a way you talk to people. Correct? You know, you don't come up to somebody and say, you're just a jive person, I don't want to be around you. You don't talk that way to people. You be humble. You pray about your communication. And you go through it that way. It's really common sense. Believers need to act sometimes like they've got some common sense. 
when they're communicating with folks. Amen? Amen? Well, don't be so quiet about that. You know what I'm saying. We often underestimate the impact of the smallest group of people who are operating in the power of God. We need to see that a church of 50 or 100 is just as impactful in the kingdom as a mega church. Amen? We, we see a lot of large churches on television, of course, because that's television. And that's fine. They've got the budget to put themselves on television. That's what they do. Well, we all can't be on television. You know, we, the best we can hope for is being on Facebook Live or on Facebook or, or going on YouTube. And that's fine, too. Guess what? It all works as far as I'm concerned. It all comes down to those who have a heart for God and their desire to be servants for Jesus. It all comes out in the wash with people exhibiting in behaviors that emulate Jesus Christ. Turn to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. This will be from the English Standard Version. A lot of it will be from the English Standard Version. We kind of go back and forth. We do the New Living Translation. We do the Christian Standard Bible Version. The modern translations. But they're all very readable, very understandable. And they all speak of the goodness of God. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If we had everybody taking this approach, we wouldn't have any problems with anybody talking to anybody. Be humble. Think about other folks more than you think about yourself. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Go to Mark chapter 10 verse 45. That's exactly what he did. You're emulating the behavior of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't take a whole bunch of folks to do that. Just a few. Just a few. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. How are we emulating the behaviors of Christ? It says it in verse 45. For even the Son of Man, being Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve, and gave and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was obedient to the Father all the way to the cross. Because he gave him himself. Let's remind all of us here of Jesus' words that make up our church's mission statement. Go to Matthew 28, another reminder. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to share this as often as I can because sometimes we need to be reminded what is the purpose of the church? And we, within the body of Christ, what is our purpose? What are we supposed to be doing for Jesus? Well, number one, we need to be obedient to him. And the words that he gives us here are a way that we can be obedient to him. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is the Christian Standard Bible version. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. They'll go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That last passage is a verse of encouragement. Jesus is always with us. But what does he want us to do? Go and tell about him to other people. Go and tell about his goodness to other people. Go and proclaim his truth to other people. Speak this out loud to other people. Share his goodness with them. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants everyone with the opportunity to make a decision for him. 
Now let's briefly recap what we have learned about God's expectations for his church. We've discovered that, number one, the size of the church is irrelevant to God for those who have faith. Did you get that? The size of the church is irrelevant for those who have faith. And number two, the church members are to move in a manner that takes God's message outside to the world. With the knowledge that the vast majority of churches in the Alliance have no more than 100 members. And quite a few of those are similar to our church size. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? We've already established on several occasions that our church cannot do the same things we did 10 years ago. Why? We're 10 years older. Amen. Amen. We just can't. We have to be realistic about stuff like this. We do a decent job with outreach. No criticism there whatsoever. But we can't put on another carnival. We can't. It's too much for us. A larger church is probably terrific. But we can't do that. We can look at our size and acknowledge that we can't do what we did before. And to some degree that's true. However, have we given this matter over to Jesus for his consideration? Have we asked him if a church of 25 can live in a big manner for Jesus? Can we continue to make excuses about what we are doing? Now, big is relative, isn't it? And common sense is relative here, too. But it all starts with right here. It starts right here. It starts with the person. How big is your heart for Jesus? How much do you want to learn and know about Jesus? See how this is personalized? It starts with you. How confident are you as to what Jesus can do in your own life and in the lives of others? If you don't have any confidence with this, how in the world can you be of service to Jesus? Here is how we can challenge ourselves and move towards getting answers to those questions that are going to help us to conform to God's will for us and for our church. Because it truly does start with you first. Number one, pray to God for forgiveness from sin and focus on consistency. I'm going to read these all four and we're going to go back over them individually. But if you want to write them down, pray to God for forgiveness from sin and focus on consistency. Number two, practice obedience to Jesus. Practice obedience to Jesus. Number three, proceed in your ministry with confidence. Proceed in your ministry with confidence. Number four, praise God in the morning and evening. Praise God in the morning and the evening. And we could throw in there all day long, but it implies morning praise, evening praise. It's all day. Now, if for whatever reason you didn't get all these notes, it'll be available online. And you'll see it on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page later today. Let's go over these points with some scriptural references. Number one, a big heart for Jesus Involves a life devoted to prayer. Amen. Amen. Believers are to pray early and often. For those that the Spirit brings to mind. In other words, you're not just praying what you think. 
let the Spirit bring things to mind and pray about them. We're to pray for those who are lost and without a saving relationship with Jesus. We already understand that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We don't need to pray for those. Jesus didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were sick. The sick ones were the ones who were lost. Paul reminds us here in the following passage that a healthy prayer life pleases Jesus. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. One thing that we want to always be doing and recognizing that if you are in the Lord's will, if you are doing what the Lord would have you to do, that pleases your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. You know what's pleasing to Jesus? Showing up here in the morning. You know what also pleases Jesus? Those who even can't get here. Focusing on the Lord through the Word, getting online, whatever. Because you're focusing on what? The Word of Jesus. Playing music, praise music, that pleases Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good... And it pleases our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is your mission. That is your mission. That's exactly why we're doing what we're doing right now. We're learning more about Jesus so that we can speak about Jesus to other people and share with them the goodness that Jesus has done in our lives. That's pleasing to our Savior. You're doing exactly what you're called to do. We need to pray as we move through life, even when there is uncertainty or instability in our midst. Has there not been uncertainty and instability in this world today? We still got to move in spite of all that. Because we have a great overcomer who overcomes these things. And that's how we have to live and move. Believers should not be talking about, oh, woe is me. And stay in that place. Get out of that place. You have an overcomer. God provides the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 say, do not be anxious about anything. Now, are there anxious things to be thought about? Yes, of course there are. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds and your minds in Christ Jesus. How often do we rely upon this truth? You don't need to be anxious. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him, your eternity is taken care of in a good way. Do you want to ensure that God is listening to your prayers? It's simple. Take your sins to the throne. God will meet you where you are. Go to James chapter 5. Go to James 5 verse 16. And honey, get some hot tea for me later on. Amen. See, that's why I can't sing. I'd like to sing more during praise time, but I'm always afraid I'm going to wipe my voice out when I really need to use it. But that's okay. God knows. (laughs) He knows I can't sing that well anyway. James chapter 5 verse 16. English Standard Version. 
Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need healing, amen? Amen. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Come alongside somebody who can be accountable for you if that's what you need. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Notice we're talking about one person. One person. It's great when the church prays for you. It's great when you have that mindset and the attitude for the church praying for you. But one person has power. Always remember that. Mark 11 verses 24 and 25 say, Therefore that I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. And it will be yours. This is what I mean about how faith. God says he's going to deliver. You have to be ready to accept it. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Take your sin to the throne. If you want to make sure God is hearing you, you need to fess up. Repent. Sometimes a lot of the stuff that we pray for, you know, there are people who are praying, but they're not taking their sin to the cross. Which means you're not having fellowship with the Father. Which means the things that you think you want to do or you're praying about, it ain't going to happen. It starts with you. Now, present company excluded. Amen? But you know who you are. And there are people online listening too. The boot will be listening, so. We have to keep that in mind. Take your sins to the throne. If you want to be heard by God, give it every give everything over to Him. Prayer is best executed when it is done with consistency. Fervent prayer can lead to discoveries of those things that you had no prior knowledge of that will be effective in your outreach efforts. There's different ways. To accomplish this. That may not have even occurred to you. Go to Colossians 4 verse 2. Colossians 4 verse 2. Colossians 4 verse 2. All glory and honor to our Lord. Verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. How often are we thankful as we pray? We should be thankful because we say thank you because God, you're hearing our prayer. But we need to be thankful as we pray. We've turned this thing about being a believer, being a Christian, into such a robotic function. But you have to put your heart into it. And be thankful. Are you thankful that you're here today? You know, Vic said it earlier, I'm thankful to be here. Since when is any day promised? Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Go to that. Jeremiah. We're going to go back and look at what the Lord says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the prophet. God had a special relationship with Jeremiah. One that, if I look back at Jeremiah's life, I'm not really sure I would want that experience personally. But but they had a very close relationship. But the purpose of Jeremiah was to do what? To proclaim to the people around them that they were really screwing it up. And had to show these people in very graphic ways how much they were screwing it up. And Jeremiah was a very special prophet for doing that. 
And guess what? What kind of a world are we living in right now? It's a screwed up world. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you may, that you have not known. Excuse me. No may. That you have not known. Sometimes we need to stay in prayer and stay in prayer and stay in prayer and God will show us things we never would have thought about as far as how we can do outreach. A woman's quilting class. And publicize it. You know, pickleball is a really big thing today. You want to minister to folks who play pickleball? Put up a pickleball court in the backyard. There's volleyball too. It doesn't cost a lot to do that. Prayer is always inexpensive. There are little things that we can do as a church that don't require a whole lot of effort. But we have to pray and put our heads together. And the examples that I gave you are examples that we came up with that resonate 2023. Because most of our churches are small churches. You see where I'm going? Give it to the Lord. Number two, practice obedience to Jesus and his word. Now this is important because if we're not obedient to the Lord, we might as well just forget about all of this right here. No sense in even talking about it. Can you be disobedient to the Lord and do things? Yeah, but that's just doing things. It's not doing things in Christ. An effective servant of Jesus is one who loves the Lord. And it shows. Love the Lord and it shows. First, Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Let me move it along here. 1 John 5, verse 3. First John chapter 5, verse 3. There's a reason why John uses the word love all the time in his, in his writings. Because love is paramount. It is the most important thing that we can do. And when we love God, guess what we have to do? For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep His commandments. We keep the commands of God because they're good for us. And his commandments are not burdensome. How hard is it really to love somebody? Uh Uh-oh, hold on. You make it harder than it needs to be. When I say you, I mean the flesh. We're supposed to love our enemies. It's easy to love folks we can get along with. We're supposed to love our enemies. But that's a commandment of God. That's what we have to do. Doesn't mean you like everybody. But you love them as Christ loves them. As Christ loves you. John chapter 14 verses 23 and 24. It says in 23, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus is only relaying the words from the Father. He's just passing it on for us. In order to be obedient to Jesus, you need to be in his word every day and reflect upon what he is saying to you. I want you to turn to Joshua 1. Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. Now, we know about Joshua. We know that Joshua was pretty much hand-selected by God to be the one who followed Moses in leading the Israelites. And, you know, Joshua was a young, strapping young man, very, very powerful, wanted to be obedient to the Lord, and knew that he would withstand all the things that were coming in front of him. 
But that doesn't mean that Joshua had it all together. He's just like us. Amen? He's a human being like us. He wasn't a robot or robotoid or whatever they call him. He's a human being like us. Look what it says in verse 7, Joshua 1. Be strong and very courageous. Now you're giving him words like this because that's what he needs to do. He needs to be strong. He needs to be courageous about what's taking place. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. What does that say? You will be successful in everything that you do. That's for us, everybody. If you want to be successful in this outreach ministry, this church, stay in the Word. Look at what God is saying to you. Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Do you understand how important it is for us to stay in the Word and meditate on it? And that's where our prosperity is going to be. We will be successful if we do that. The very first verses of Psalms talk about being in the Word and meditating on it day and night. These are reminders. These are all things to reinforce what we're talking about here. Now, I'm going to challenge you and understand something, too. If you, if you read the Bible once a week, like on Sunday, that ain't going to make it. It's not going to cut it. That ain't going to work. That's not enough. Number three, proceed in your ministry efforts and don't second-guess yourself. Learn from your mistakes and make adjustments. Did you hear that? Learn from your mistakes and make adjustments. Knowing that we as a church can't do what we used to do, learn and adjust. You can do a lot, but we need to understand that we have to adjust as we go. We tend to overthink our efforts because things don't go perfectly. Well, that's because we're putting the human factor into it. Don't overthink it. Keep it simple. Let's let the one who is perfect in every way run the show. How's that? Let's let him run the show. Let's leave the results to him. Let's let him take control of the situation and let's leave the results to him. He already knows ahead of time who your audience is going to be. He already knows who's going to come in your midst. He knows all of that stuff. We have no idea. Let him run the show. Let him take control of it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Turn to Acts 20, verse 24. Acts 20, verse 24. And this comes back to when we really are doing ministry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the good news, we have to keep continually dying to self. It's not about what you or I want to do. It's about doing what makes sense in what God wants us to do. But we have to die to self. Acts 20, verse 24. And this is the approach that we should all take. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, it ain't about me. It's about Jesus. That's it. It's not about me. Not about you. It's about the testimony of Jesus Christ. The one 
We are to glorify Him, not the other way around. He's the one to be glorified, not the other way around. Number four, praise God all day long because He is worthy. Amen? Praise God all day long because He is worthy. He's the reason why you're here. Psalm 100 is one of dozens of psalms that are songs of praise. Why do you think they're there, everybody? It's to actually show you the value of the relationship that you have with Jesus. And a lot of people don't know the value yet. But if you read the Psalms and you understand what it is to love God and how much He loves you and how much He's done for you and how much He's going to continue to do for you, you'll give Him the praise. Because you're recognizing it. These Psalms all declare the wonder and majesty of God, His holiness, His righteousness, His love for us, His eternal loving kindness. Revelation 19.11 says, He is faithful and true. God doesn't lie. He tells the truth. He's worthy of praise. Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 15. Almost done. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15. This verse... Is in essence the mentality of every believer. What every believer should be doing and how they should be going about their business. Verse 15, Hebrews 13. Through him, then let us continually offer a sacri- offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What does it say? Continually. Continually. And that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. When we sing the song, there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. No greater name than I've ever known. No sweeter name than the name of Jesus. That's all I'm going to do. But that's exactly your mindset. Not just hearing people sing on Sunday morning. That's your mindset. In my old crotchety way, for some crazy reason in my life, I have praise songs in my head now. I never used to be like that. It's crazy. But it's wonderful. Because God is good. He's teaching me. And that's what we have to have. I don't think I need to convince anyone that God deserves your praise, but ultimately you have to decide about this for yourself. You do. You have to make a decision that this is how you're going to live your life. This is what you're going to do. If you want to be effective in the gospel of Jesus Christ and speaking to other people, you've got to decide what you want to do with this. Number five. I didn't give you number five before, but I'm giving it to you now. Repeat steps one through four. Repeat steps one through four. Because this is a continual thing. What you can see here is that you and I have what we need to be successful. We have what we need to be successful in our service for Jesus. Praying continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray continually. Loving Jesus through obedience. Psalm 1 verse 2. 1 John 5.3 We covered that verse. Moving in faith with confidence. Philippians 4.13 Praising Jesus day and night. Psalm 119.164 Psalm 139.14 These things that I have shared are essential to our relationship with Jesus in our efforts to model His servanthood for His glory. 
Not your glory. His glory. Our big little church has a formula for success. Success in ministry, but it requires persistence in its execution. If you're looking for ways to effectively serve Jesus, let's no longer look at how small we are as a church. Let's look at how big we are in Jesus. How big we are in Jesus. We're here because of Him. How big are we in Jesus? As long as we're locked into God's will for our church, He's going to direct our path. You might know, I'm going to have one more verse to turn to. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. If it's not a memory verse, it should be a memory verse. Amen? It should be a memory verse for you. So that's, that's homework for you. If it's not a memory verse, that's homework for you. To memorize this passage. Because this is exactly what you're all about. Verse 5, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the New Living Translation version. Do not depend on your own understanding. What you think makes sense may not really make any sense. Don't rely upon your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do. And He will show you which path to take. If you're seeking His will, you can't go wrong. You won't go wrong. If you're seeking His will, you can't do nothing but right. Let's seek God's wisdom as His big, little church. Father, we are thankful that You indeed speak to us and remind us of Your goodness as we go. And Lord, we need to look beyond numbers. We need to look beyond statistics and just trust You. We are here because you have us here for a purpose. And that's to relay the gospel to the community, our family, our friends, our co-workers, that we emulate you as we go. We thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning and every morning. Because we're reminded where two or more are gathered, you are present if the purpose is to recognize you. And we thank you for that too. Bless us, Lord, and keep us. Strengthen us and encourage us. Help us to stand true and stay true to your word in spite of what the opposition does. Give us grace, Lord, and may we experience your peace moment to moment. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.